You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're here with special guest Alex Vazquez. Say hello, Hi. Alex. Hi, everybody. Matt, what are we watching? The special super feature. Uh, we are cracking down on Death Wish for the crackdown. <laughs> <laughs> Two kids looking for a new thrill. Hey, just like I promised. Yeah, sure. But this time, the thrill went too far. Crack has claimed another victim. Dealers are making up their own rules, and no one is able to stop them. Somebody has got to crack down. Who are you? Death. Charles Bronson in the biggest death wish ever. They have to be stopped, cousin. Death Wish 4, The Crackdown. Spent a small fortune buying information on the major drug dealers in Los Angeles. I'll handle this my own way, no interference from you. He's working to destroy the drug empire. It's It's either him or us. Now, Bronson is their target. The trap is set. Here he comes. The fuse is lit. Bronson is unleashed. Charles Bronson, Death Wish 4, The Crackdown. Now let me tell you, uh, this uh, trailer is almost... (laughs) almost as legitimately dumb as the movie (laughs) but i I think i enjoyed the trailer more uh i don't know i this movie is just nutters i uh, i had a good time (laughs) yeah i remember in the past you talked about how you kind of like this one a lot yeah i mean it's not as good as three but it's it's uh it's it's the wacky death wishes it's three and four are the wacky ones all right alex what was your my my evaluation or my... yeah yeah your quick one quick before... okay uh, well it's certainly better than five uh, and it's better than the remake just as a reminder to your audience oh, I am right. I am working through this Death Wish series backwards yes. with you guys I've never <laughs> seen any of these movies before and uh, so this is my first experience with this uh, this movie certainly an improvement more action Bronson doesn't seem like he is he has like a foot in the grave in this one uh, though he though though I would say. At most, I see him running at like a fast trot is about as fast as he ever goes in this movie. But but there's a little bit of energy there. Not much, but I, I uh, would I would say Bronson is more alive than Bruce Willis was in the remake. Like Bruce Willis is doesn't have one foot in the grave as far as we know. So yes, <laughs> I, see, I'm gonna slightly disagree with that. I think this is the movie that Bruce Willis watched to get his pace down. <laughs> I I don't know, man. Bruce Willis barely opened his eyes. Like, he was he was he was going for for four Bronson. <laughs> if you really think Bronson cares in this movie, I want to know what movie you watch. 
watched. <laughs> I don't. I don't think Bronson cares this movie. I just think Bruce Willis is that bad in the remake. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm not going to defend Bruce Willis's acting in that. What? I, yeah, what I'm saying is not a defense of Bronson. I'm just trying to shit on how bad Bruce Willis was in that remake. Yeah, I think we all. But you can go back and listen to all of our Death Wishes, uh, Death Wish with with. Uh, with Eli Roth directing it with Bruce Willis and then the fifth one, which with just Bronson. But remember Dandruff from the fifth one. Do you think we're going to have a bad guy in this as good as Dandruff? No. <laughs> I don't think so. What was his name? Frankie Flakes? Yeah. I, I actually remembered a character's name. Wow. That's incredible. Well, because because how insane is it that for Death Wish 5, they were like, well, what's going to be like this character's defining trait? And they're like, dandruff. <laughs> like, of course that's memorable, because it's completely and totally just like insane. I would also say that's the single most memorable thing about that movie. Yeah. I couldn't tell you anything else that happened in it. And I watched it with you guys. Like, I'm pulling... Uh, uh, Pulling blanks right now. I don't know. I remember a lot of pots got blown up at one point. Mm-hmm. There was a kitchen destruction. Yeah. Yeah. And then somebody got blown up with a RC car. I remember that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's about it. That's, yeah. that's all I got. I think, and, and Bronson didn't move. He was in full Seagal mode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Still think Willis was worse than that. <laughs> even, even then, like, half-dead uh, Charles Bronson in five, Bruce Willis was still worse in the remake. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Let's get into the, the quick facts. We'll try to run through this in a few minutes. Uh, the Crackdown was 1987, the fourth installment in the Death Wish series, and had a budget of $5 million to... Eight million, depending on who you ask. I mean, at this point, Canon was just on fire, like, and not in the good way, just like burning. Yeah, <laughs> burning to the ground. It was, it was like one of the spaceships re-entering the atmosphere, just on fire. Yes, <laughs> actually, Losing parts. Yeah, yeah yes. it's just flying everywhere. Yes. They're just desperate, and uh, it had a box office of six point nine million. So, didn't make back its money. This was another failure on Canon when it came to you know, theater distribution, which is mostly how they made their money because they mm. sold the rights to a lot of their movies for home video. But this movie did fantastic on home video. And I found where it sold over 100,000 units. Mm. What that means, I don't really know, but it sounds like a lot. Yeah. Or so. does that just mean that they moved 100,000 units <laughs> to stores and then they were stuck then with they sat stacks there. of VHS tapes? <laughs> if those stores bought them, though, that's their damn fault. <laughs> that's uh, and that's Kurt... why we no longer have video stores. <laughs> Sadness. <laughs> but they're going to live forever! <laughs> Current movies in the theater at the time. I only know really one of the... No, two. Fatal Attraction. Sure. Hello Again. Baby Boom. Yes. Baby Boom, yeah. Less Than Zero. Yeah. yeah. And Another drug movie. Yeah. And Suspect. Now, I think this is what happened. Uh, during the 80s, after the Reagan say no to drugs and all that, where we're basically, oh, you're selling non, you know, you're selling cocaine? We're going to put you in jail for 30 years. And uh, well, we just... Well, no, specifically crack. Crack. Correct. Because yes. they wanted to put black people in prison, yeah. not the not the rich white people who were doing who were doing fancy powder cocaine. Yeah. Oh, fancy powder cocaine is actually very good for you. <laughs> yeah. You lose weight. Right. Um, you have energy. You uh, uh, yeah. You got a lot what, done. That was what Robert Downey Jr. was doing yeah. in Less Than Zero. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I'm, I'm going to play just a little bit of Nancy Reagan and Ronald Reagan talking about crack. 
Drug abuse costs you and your fellow Americans at least $60 billion a year. From the early days of our administration, Nancy has been intensely involved in the effort to fight drug abuse. I'm especially concerned about what drugs are doing to young mothers and their newborn children. Listen to this news account from a hospital in Florida of a child born to a mother with a cocaine habit. Oh, isn't that lovely, everyone? You remember that? When they were sitting on the couch talking. I, I was so, I think I was three, four. I don't know. I, can't I was do not alive yet. Um, but uh, this movie, though, you could tell is a direct, like, they saw that speech, like that very specific speech, and were like, okay, write a movie about it and put Death Wish in it. Well, <laughs> one point in this movie is like an ABC or NBC sitcom of Don't Do Drugs, and it is when the girlfriend, uh, the reporter, is in the hospital looking at the dead bodies, and I just, I was just like, this is something they could have put in school and been like, look, she was 13 years old and selling her body for crack cocaine, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> right, that was very, very after school special. Yeah, uh, after school special. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. yeah, there was. Yeah, it was like sort of like it, like uh, we were talking about before we recorded. It was like they were explaining it to people who didn't know like what crack was like they were they were really like talking down to the audience so like beyond just being like an after school special it was just like this is crack cocaine (laughs) stay away from this here's why (laughs) it's on purpose because i i was explaining alex before we started recording that they figured out that midwest who was buying the majority of these vigilante movies they didn't know what crack cocaine really was even after the president, you know, sat down in a chair and told them, it, it's so they shifted after this, after pretty much the hospital, where they just started calling it cocaine. And I, I noticed it the first time I watched it. And when I read about it, I was like, yeah, that makes sense because it's, they could have showed someone smoking out of a pipe. And most people, you know, in Missouri, where I'm from, in 87, would have been like, what the fuck is that? A designer drug? <laughs> <laughs> right. That was it. It it lived a lot. Well, crack lived a lot in the 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 coasts. Yeah. At the time, uh, and with. Well, and, I'm sure L.A. Yeah, and was so. and was and was marketed uh, specifically to communities of of color uh, by the CIA. Uh, <laughs> I don't see I don't see Bronson blown up the CIA in this one. First of all, um, we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> so this was the first one not directed by Alex Winter. No, Michael no, Winter. Michael, Michael Winter. Winter. So, Alex Winter is the guy, is, is, the actor in three. Is, is, is who I always Phil say don't come. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he he was kind of kicked off this movie, even though he'll he told everyone he was doing another movie. Really, it was because Bronson was like, "I'm not working with that asshole anymore." Mm-hmm. And Bronson called the shots, which by the way made four million dollars of the five to eight million dollar budget. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, because he didn't want to do this. And, you know, Goldman Globus is like, please, please come back and kill the crack. <laughs> and they're like, we'll give you two million. He's like, no, three million. No, four million. All right. <laughs> so well, that- you can, you can tell in this, there's, there's not, this is like bare minimum special effects for an action film. They've got a couple old cars exploding, maybe a flipped car and some guns. But we get, we do get in... In the place of Michael Winter, we do get in uh, Cape Fear director, J. Lee Thompson, um, who 
to like I'm saying Cape Fear like so it's like oh my god he did a good movie but he basically spent the 80s making these kind of movies though with yeah. Bronson yeah he did a few with Bronson uh, and then also just I think some other random action movies too and like some Planet of the Apes movies like the later ones yeah um, but uh, so he kind of had a second career after uh, Cape Fear and I think Guns of the Navajo were like two like bigger well, prestige it- movies and then. It was all downhill from there. <laughs> he did Murphy's Law a year before this, and that was very successful in the theater and on home video. So, with Bronson. Yeah, with Bronson. He just, he had an action career after. Well, Bronson and him were friends. Yeah. So Old dudes. Old, old dudes, dudes just hanging out. Old dudes cashing paychecks. Yep. Oh, man. This movie is <laughs> produced and distributed by Canon Films. Oh, God, I love you, Canon. I also love the Canon um, logo when it comes on and this movie starts and it, like, flies out at you. Like, all the parts come at you from the sea. Do you guys remember that from that shitty video transfer I gave you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love love Canon's logo. No matter how it reacts to the movie, I just love when it comes on. Uh, It's a good logo. It's a good logo, and it just, like, it takes me to that certain time. You know, the late 80s when everything was excess, and it's wonderful um shall, shall we tell the tell the folks what what this is about explain the exciting box box art yeah <laughs> uh, well the, the box art uh is very boring uh but w- just to mind mind you we are watching a re-release from uh 1990 from video treasures media and image entertainment um all of which sort of eventually just got swallowed into image entertainment so they wouldn't have needed to have all these logos on here yeah it's a uh, lot of logos but uh that means it's kind of a shitty transfer. The video treasures usually put the tapes on LP or EP mode, and this one's an LP, so it's a little bit better. But it's not in typical standard play mode where, you know. So it's like fresh shit. It's not crusty shit. Right. It's like we're going to use a little less. We're going to put a little more information on a single strip of tape, but not like all the information on a single strip of tape. So it's still shitty, but it's not as shitty as it could have been in extended play mode. Uh, but our cover is just Bronson. With his name over him. <laughs> Death Wish for the Crackdown. He's standing in front of the kids. The kids looking off, thinking about crack, I'm assuming. And he's got his, his gun over his shoulder. And he's squinting, ready ready for action. Uh, and it, the tagline is just, this time, it's war. It wasn't before? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, and then we flip it over to the back here. We've got more Bronson with a gun action, still squinting. Um, and then we've got, uh, our description here. So Bronson, Death Wish 4, The Crackdown, starring Charles Bronson, <laughs> Kay Lenz, John P. Ryan, superstar Charles Bronson, Death Wish 1, 2, 3, and The Magnificent 7, blows the drug underworld wide open in a blazing quest for justice and revenge in Death Wish 4, The Crackdown. Haunted by his violent past, architect Paul Kersey, Bronson, struggles to forget the brutal deaths of his loved ones and and his obsessive one-man battle to avenge their murders. When a dose of toxic crack, in quotation marks, kills the young daughter of his new girlfriend, Kay Lenz, of rich man, poor man, Kersey again becomes the infamous vigilante crusader, vowing to wipe out the entire cocaine network in L.A. He skillfully goads two vicious competing drug empires into a bloody turf war. But there's a sinister force behind the scenes, Runaway Train's John P. Ryan, with his own diabolical plans for Kersey in this powerhouse action thriller. 
Runaway Train. That was one That's of a great movie. That was yeah. one of Canon's most successful movies, and also just a dope movie. I've yeah, never seen no, it. It's, yeah, I've we've we've talked about this in the past. You haven't seen it. It's if you'll you'll like it right when you watch it. It is gritty, nasty, just. It is a man's movie. <laughs> yeah. But also like really like the script is really good. Yeah. yeah. There's a there's a really good John Voigt performance in there back mm-hmm. when he gave a shit. <laughs> like Well, are you saying he didn't give a shit <laughs> in in our favorite snake movie of all time, Anaconda? Oh, I was about to, I, I was gonna uh, uh, invoke Super Babies, Baby Geniuses too. Haven't seen it. <laughs> I think less judging a little bit that you've seen it. <laughs> no, uh, not. skip it. Skip it. Okay. <laughs> or if you find a VHS of it, go for it. <laughs> Dive in. Oh man, yeah. Nope. Never seen Runaway Train. Uh, I'll have to get to it at some point. I, I probably I, would like it. Yeah, you'll like it a lot. How many Death Wish back of the boxes on these VHSs? point out that he was in the magnificent seven do you think all five or all four from canon or um yeah they they probably definitely bring up something they either probably do that or like once upon a time in the west or something they probably are like death wish one through four once upon a time in the west or you know like death wish one through three magnificent seven just to remind you like that he did used to be in real movies uh, before these. <laughs> yeah. So let's pop in the tape where Canon was trying to make everyone forget about the embarrassment of three, even though it's amazing. Even though three is the best movie they made. <laughs> it's Canon's masterpiece. It, it really is quite it, it wonderful. Really is. But I do think this one still is riding on the wave of that a little bit. It's not as fun, yeah. but at least it's not like a rapey movie like one and two are. So like at least we're like having a little bit of a good time. Popping it in. And now, our feature presentation. And speaking of rape, uh, <laughs> the first scene was a dark, dim-lidded garage, under, uh, underground garage, which I probably is the same garage used at the end of this film. I don't know. I'm Absolutely. assuming. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So we see a bunch of men, a girl, a, a well-dressed woman is walking to her car, so we know she's going to be raped. For a really, like, she's walking for a really long time as all of the opening credits, like, play over this. <laughs> yeah, like, it's the largest garage in the world. <laughs> I, I also yeah. got the feeling that this was, like, a reshoot or something. Like, I know he, he w- basically, he wakes up and it's a dream when he kills the bad guys here that almost raped the woman. But Spoiler it felt alert! Like, well, I, I don't hope they're not, like, watching this, like, a commentary. <laughs> or do. I don't care. <laughs> Live you your might. life. Don't, don't let me make decisions for you. You. You, might, um, but, <laughs> you might enjoy our commentary more than certain parts of this film. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, like it's a dream, and I just kept feeling like that was like a reshoot. Like I was, they were like, we need to get to the killing faster. Well, a- did aka immediately? <laughs> did you notice it was set up like a horror film? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like that, yeah. that really weird shot of him being like death when he points the gun yeah. at them, and it's just like he's sort of out of focus, and the gun is in focus, and it's they're... it's like sort of curved on him a little bit. Yeah, they're using these like really straight, and maybe they're trying to to communicate that this is a dream. Yeah, that they make it look a little bit more surreal, and they use these like really really small like fisheye lenses yeah. to make everything look weirdly like everything's distorted at the edges yeah and like and yeah he has they have that shot where he's pointing the gun and the gun is like huge and his hand is huge but he's kind of tiny yeah uh it's a it's an odd little sequence yeah 
it, it looks like some of the really bad drawn VHS covers. Uh, you'll see where like someone's arm, where they're trying to do a perspective right. drawing, and you're like, it's not quite right. Yeah, it's yeah. just like their hand looks gigantic, and yeah. the rest of the yeah, it does. It looks odd, uh, but it does have a horror movie feel. He's still doing the 10 to midnight thing probably here, which is essentially a horror movie. (laughs) Well, what I love is this is, you know, Thompson and Bronson wanted to do a more serious movie, but they knew they had to put in cartoonish violence for, you know, canon to get it past their, you know, whatever you'd call their, their little censors. (laughs) They're like, "Eh." they're standards. Yeah, they're standards. Gotta have explosions. Gotta have stupid shit. The, 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 the the opposite of standards. Yes. Yes. But, you know, they wanted to get away from Bronson having to like kill people after someone in his family is raped. And literally the first scene, someone is almost raped. And I'm like, you know, I liked, I kind of like the whole like Vader thing here where he chases down the guy, he's playing with him, he shoots him, because it reminds me of the second one. And Alex, you'll try to remember that if you can. When we watch <laughs> the second one, probably next year. No uh, talking. Yeah. And he shoots him, but then he falls down and it's him. And I'm like, wait, so this movie, are they going to like have Paul Kersey question his actions? And then they fucking drop it. They never. Yeah. It's never mentioned again. His Why? bad dream is never mentioned again. Why is this in this movie? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I yeah, like you're saying, question it. I I said I've said before, and I think I might have said it in like the uh, Death Wish Five episode. But Death Wish Four weirdly kind of feels like the liberal one in a very conservative series. Like I know they're they're talking about crack, and it is you know like in the 80s the black people's drug i'm saying like air quotes you know like like it is still has like that conservative racism but this movie does it it feels like more you know they're questioning the violence in in the opening scene only but still like this one feels like the liberal one of the of the five i guess well yeah it kind of starts with the beginning brown people sell to white people and then we find out no it's actually like the colombian i don't know who these italian colombians there, it's it's there's a kind of a, a, a racial ambiguity potpourri yeah, going on yeah. in the upper levels. Yeah, um, like which so I appreciate it. And our main baddie is a white guy for a change yeah. in these movies. It so was like, like the corporate, it, even though he, I don't want to ruin it yet, people, because I know you're listening to this for the <laughs> exciting build up to the story's end. But um, basically, it was a corporate bad guy in a way, even though it's a new drug lord. Yeah. But it is, it's sort of different from like just the street gangs, yeah. you know, uh, minorities. Like it is, it is now a rich white dude is the villain finally, you know, and it, yeah. and it is, and it is sort of suggesting he is pumping the crack into the system type thing. And it's like, okay, so they're, they're questioning some things here and not just being like, the gangs are the problem. You know? I was, I, I, I actually, I put a note that this is probably in, in Death Wish for parlance, it is probably the wokest Death Wish. I uh, think they're, tr- <laughs> yeah. They yeah. tried. Yeah. I, I think they sprinkled a little bit of it, maybe from, because I know this, this was like the fourth script idea. So mm. I, I'm thinking, I don't know, I'm just guessing. I'm thinking they took parts, the, the parts in this movie that don't make sense to it were probably like good parts from other movies and they're like this is so good we gotta and they never even questioned in the edit room or maybe someone did but they were they were fired because you can't do that in canon um Mm -hmm. you know that's fine It, it just this first scene it just makes no sense for the rest of the movie but so let's introduce our main characters we have paul kersey 
who looks to be very comfortable. You know, he's got a girlfriend. Uh, her name is Karen. Uh, Karen, and she is a reporter. <laughs> you remember? I remember. <laughs> and I remembered de- the name of a female character in a Death Wish movie, which means that they kind of did something right. They tr- <laughs> they had a star, you know, somewhat yeah. of an eighty star with Kaylin. So True. they were like, let's give her something to do. <laughs> Not a lot. But you remembered who she was this time, and right. I don't think you're going to have that with any of the other females in any of the other movies. Well, I mean, she's she's a career woman. She looks very successful. She has a daughter, Erica. This is a well, even though they're not married or anything like that, but they look like a well-adjusted threesome here. You know, yeah, they have yeah. a little family, little family, yeah. and it's going uh, not threesome in the sex way, people. Mm-hmm. It's not that type of cat film. Um, but you know. Erica's going out with Randy. When he pulls up in his, his fucking IROC, I was like, yes! Yeah. But you know, when you pull up in an IROC, that's trouble. Yeah, he's bad news. Yeah. They're that dead. They got no shot. And he's and he's got like a joint hanging out of his mouth when he yeah. pulls up too. It's like, it's just so flagrant. Yeah. I, I, I do love the moment when, uh, when Bronson is like, what do you think of that, Randy? When he's talking <laughs> yeah. to the, the, when he's talking to Karen, the way he says Randy from now on, the rest of my life, I'm never gonna trust a Randy. He's just like that, Randy. <laughs> what do you think of that, is, Randy? The thing is that like they they, they do put they, they they do um position Randy as this bad boy, but he's also kind of a dweeb. Yeah, like yeah. he's he's a little bit of a dweeb. I, he, he's like entry level into like doing drugs and right. running with it. He's he's like just getting his first taste of it yeah. type thing. And Karen does say, "Oh, Randy gets good grades." Yeah, you know. So yeah. so so Randy's kind of got his shit together. Yeah, he's, he's just a low key drug abuser. He's he's a nerd and he wants to you know kind of break out of his box that he's been put in. So Maybe he's like, "I'm gonna do his girlfriend." Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do a little bit of drugs. I'm gonna hang around with the bad kids a little bit. You know. Yeah, I think. I mean, everyone likes the bad boy image. Yeah, but you don't actually want to be a bad boy because then you're JoJo, who's the drug sailor. That he's a bad boy. Um, <laughs> and just right when they show him, I go, "Okay, we've got our first cartoonish villain." <laughs> oh yeah, he's got like the checkered blazer, like some like cheap trick looking shit, and he will cut a bitch immediately. <laughs> <laughs> that I thought was so <laughs> so funny. Can we can we sidebar here on what they went to? They mm-hmm. went to an eighties arcade yes. slash bumper cars <laughs> slash <laughs> roller rink? Or was the roller rink only at the end? That was only at the end. So I that's that a different, different place. That's a different arcade. Yeah, but they but they went to like the fucking like boardwalk carnival for their drugs for sure. Oh man, that place was awesome and I so wanna just like take a time machine and just I want to just go there and play. That place was bustling too. Yeah, like that was the like most happening place in L. That that might have been the Santa Monica Pier, considering they're in L.A. Yeah, why not shoot there? Right, exactly. So do you think that? I mean, that place really existed. That's what the '80s were like. Well, the Santa Monica Pier exists, and I have yeah. been there well, several <laughs> times. I lived in L.A. for five years. It did not look like that. There were never that many people there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Last time I was in LA, I went over there too, and it was just kind of sad. It was desolate. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm betting at that time, yeah. it could have It was been. bustling and yeah. hip and, you know, it's like arcades right. that have since gone away. That sort of world of the arcades and yeah. bumper cars and carnival circus sort of uh, attractions so- we're done with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm assuming Randy here was was coming to the arcade. He, he gets some weed, but then JoJo takes Erica and he's like, "Let me give you something special." And it's crack. Yeah. And 
he doesn't tell her how to use it or anything. He's just like, there you go. So I'm assuming she just like fucking swallowed it. <laughs> and that's why she dies. Yeah. <laughs> because there were no instructions given on how to freebase it. Like yeah. how to like, like this no, is how you well, do. In most drug movies, when they give them something free, they'll take them to the side and like have them, you know, show them how to do it. Yeah, I mean, make it's not like. Do it in front yeah. of them. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and it's, it's, instead, he's just like, here's some crack. And she's like, thanks. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Next scene. Oh, and we, yeah. we didn't mention Erica was given exactly one character trait before this moment, and that was that she hung out at um, at Paul Kersey's uh, architecture oh, studio. Yes, yeah. um, which, by the way, it looks like he settled in nicely because he's got his own firm. Uh, and uh, and she goes, "Hey, look, I've been doing some sketches too." And then he kind of like gently negs her after yes, he looks yeah. at these, like they're good. They're not great, but they're pretty damn good. And I'm like, damn, Paul Kersey. Uh, <laughs> Just fake tough praise. Love. Yeah. Tough love. Yeah. Like, you yeah. can do better, but yeah. it's okay. But that's, but that's it. Otherwise, yeah. she is a prop. Like, yes, that is... she is used as a tool to get this movie going. Yeah, she's there yeah. to die. Yeah. And it happens fast. Yeah. This all happens within like 10 minutes, folks. Yeah, this is this is what I like about this movie too is that this would be the whole movie in another Death Wish, but this is the first ten minutes of yeah. this one. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, so we get to play a little bit. In this and then one. and then five minutes later, he's fucking electrocuting JoJo. Yes, <laughs> yes. So like, I like I like the way this motherfucker moves. Yeah. Like, yeah, because it cuts back after she gets the drugs. It cuts back and it's it's uh, Karen, you know, kind of like. When are we going to get married? And he's like, whoa, I don't know about that. You know, because I'm assuming he hasn't told her about his first wife and daughter, which were brrutally murdered. And then he had to go and blow people up. Yes. Right. So uh, well, I'm assuming there's was, no honesty. His here. wife was brutally murdered. Then his daughter was brutally murdered. In the no. sequel. <laughs> Spoilers, Alex is here and he hasn't seen him. I think he could figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> they, 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 they mention him many times. <laughs> yeah. So uh, then they get a call that they go to the hospital and the mom, here's my note, mom reacts as if her cat just died. Right. Well, and Bronson doesn't react at all he has he's no, just like well i guess this is happening well again. honestly uh, maybe they were thinking like he's seen this so many times it's like oh, time to go to work yep but Absolutely. like a, like a better actor i don't i never even in the good movies or the generally considered to be good movies i never thought bronson was a good no, actor i don't a think better <laughs> a better actor could have on his face like the reaction of like I've got to do this again or here we go again but you pretty much just get the look that's on the front cover yeah uh, they pull the sheet back they see your face cut to bronze I, and he's just stone face like. you know the whole time we were watching this sorry to digress but the other night Matt and I went to see Cold Pursuit the new Liam Neeson movie and there are a lot of similarities first of all uh, except that Cold Pursuit is very aware of what it is and uh, kind of weird and funny as a result. But uh, but in comparison to Bronson, like Neeson can do that. Yeah, Neeson, you see the gears turning behind his eyes. But yeah, he seems very stoic and he seems, but like he's doing a lot with a little. Yeah. And I really just like in that moment, I was like appreciating like how a really great actor can like do something with that. Bronson can't do that. Bronson's <laughs> never been a good actor. <laughs> no, like, like I, limited range. <laughs> the year before, when Bruce Willis was coming out with Die Hard, and I rewatched Die Hard a couple months ago, you forget how like well he could 
take just his his physical appearance in his face. You know, he just changed. He motes just a little bit, mm-hmm. and it pulls off really well. Yeah, like Bronson's face, I don't think works anymore. <laughs> like, well, I don't think it's his fault. Even though I'm not defending his acting in anything in the past, because I've never seen him do it. But I think at this point. His, like, motor skills in his face, they don't work. <laughs> well, and and you know what? I'll give him a little bit of credit because the fidelity on this VHS tape was so crappy <laughs> that honestly I couldn't, like, even if he was doing something subtle, which he probably wasn't, I couldn't tell <laughs> just because of the image quality. Man, I'm assuming he smoked a lot because he his face is just... I mean, he's 66, so I get it. We all get yeah. wrinkles. But he his he wrinkles... He weathered. Yeah. yeah. A yeah, long in the tooth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, probably a lot of uh, tanning. Yeah. And, like, bad... The bad... Ta- like, the cancer tanning and yeah. smoking, probably. Yeah. yeah. I'm assuming. Because he's a badass, and nothing will ever kill him. Except death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does have a wish for it. <laughs> yep. That's uh, so he, uh, he decides, you know, it's time to go back to work. He goes to the arcade... Um, and Randy is also, well, I think he follows Randy. That's how he gets to the arcade. Yes. Um, and then Randy's like, man, I'm going to the cops. And I was thinking, Randy, what are you doing? You don't, you just go to the cops. You don't (laughs) tell, you don't tell the guy that can murder you that you're going to go to the cops and tell him what he did. Oh, and by the way, uh, editor, whoever's putting this together, when you have bumper cars slamming together, your audience is like, uh, oh, he's going to get shot. And then Jojo just stabs him. And I'm like, why put in the loud bashing? I guess they were trying to set up the electrocution, but yeah, someone didn't know how to do this. Well, I also think, and I and I actually made a note about this too, because they do it again at the roller rink towards the end of the movie. There's a lot of like yeah. violent cross cutting, um, and I do. I think I think they're just trying to use the sound and the environment of what they're around to like create some sort of tension. Yeah. it's quite sloppy. Yeah, <laughs> though. But you just have JoJo shoot him right when something slams, and the whole audience would have been like, "Yeah, that works." Yeah. That that would totally work, man. That's how you kill someone in a in a roll not a roller rink. Fuck uh, a bumper car, bumper car bumper place. Car. Yeah, um, I I will just you know to sort of defend that choice though a little bit. Oh, I can't least. wait for this. No, I'm, it's, it's not that much of a defense. It's just like this is not Michael Winner here. You know, like this is somebody who at least yes. is trying. Like they're trying for something, or like. Even if even if Jay Lee Thompson is you know an old guy and just sort of coasting, he still has an awareness of making a film. Whereas mm-hmm. Michael Winner is just a crazy person and just is like, put the camera here, kill all the black people. Like yeah, that's gag, his, gag to gag to gag. Yeah, to gag. yeah, he has no concept of like filmmaking. He just puts his own like crazy conservatism just like on screen instead of just you know make a movie <laughs> yeah. well, it's a the, little it's a little blocky but there yeah. is a, there is a grasp at artfulness right there. there's a grasp at a technique here there yeah mm-hmm. there, it, it's just like it's just a gloss of it you know because yeah it's not yeah. it doesn't always work and yeah i'm not defending that it like works i'm just saying at least we have a director who is trying here to make a yeah. movie a competent <laughs> movie <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so bronson chases jojo onto a roof and then he shoots jojo jojo falls into the top of the bumper cars and like electrocutes it, you know, like it's like the third rail 
yeah. on the train. And I was like, uh, is that something that happens? Who cares? Let's keep going. Yeah, we're at minute 15 now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I noted that in my notes. I said, oh, minute 15, first person's dead, got electrocuted. Yeah. Like, so we, right. got our, we got an electrocution in it. We've gotten shot, stabbed, and we have an overdose. So it's yeah. like, okay, we're going. And this is 15 minutes in. Yeah, yeah. So we're moving. Uh, and then um, some ridiculous like punk tells the cops, yeah, man, I saw the last three. And he tells them, and that guy was just, the detective goes, oh, it says something to him. He goes, I don't know, what am I, a fucking detective? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. whoa. Well, I, I wrote, again, a note. <laughs> Guy in torn tank top and eyeliner, surprisingly cooperative with cops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just tells him everything and then, like, basically flicks off the cops. Yeah. I was amazed at that. Yeah. He's like, hey, I'm going to be super cooperative and give you a lot of information. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I just did your job for you. <laughs> so, the, the um, Paul Kersey then gets a note underneath his door and then when he... This is something, this is overkill, I think, by uh, the bad guy here. He gives him a note, and he picks up the note, and he reads it. He's like, I'll go to the cops if something, I don't know, it's a threat. And then he gets a phone call, and I'm like, why don't you just call him? (laughs) Did you get my note? (laughs) Also, the note was very, just hastily scrawled on, like, a scrap of paper. It's like, actually... he could have very easily not found that. Just walked yeah, right over. Could have just been like, "Oh, let me throw that away. That's garbage." Like, and what if he's what if he's like us now, who doesn't want to answer the phone, so he just like walks past it? What happens yeah. then? Yeah, <laughs> this whole movie would never have happened. Yeah, yeah. it's like I'm not gonna answer that. It's probably a telemarketer. <laughs> yeah. So then Kersey has to uh, go and talk to um, this tabloid, uh, Nathan White, who's his voice. Let me play just a little bit here. Kersey. Or should I say, Mr. Vigilante? Listen, if this is about blackmail, you're wasting your time. This place must be worth more than what I can make. I love that voice. Uh, there's not a lot of things in this movie I like, but that man's voice, I just, I wish he, w- he would do my voicemail. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good voice. Welcome to the phone of Stephen Bay. <laughs> Please leave your name and number yeah. after the tone. So this rich guy uh, explains that his his wife died and his daughter became his entire life. And then his daughter died from of an overdose, which Kersey can relate to. Sure. Because he basically fell Erica from vacation, by the way. We never mentioned that. That's the... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, that's I couldn't the tell because of the low fidelity yeah. on the video. <laughs> well, that and she's only in four minutes of yeah, the movie. That's oh, gotcha. definitely Audrey. Yeah, that it's Audrey. definitely is. Yeah. You, huh. Like, the grown-up Audrey, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's just like, I want you to hunt down everyone who does the drugs in LA and he's like and I've got here's all don't worry about working and being a detective Paul Kersey here's the entire script in front of you just go kill him he just hands it all to them he does he says one thing that I like really glommed onto in his big speech he put he said the phrase this is word for word 
anybody connected with drugs deserves to die. <laughs> Which, that is probably the most late 80s thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. that is such, like, war on drugs, Reagan era. Yeah, like, like, anybody who touches the stuff needs to be brutally murdered yeah. and yeah. wiped off the face of so the earth. This movie kind of has a mixed message about drugs. Because at one point we hear... Uh, Karen goes after her daughter dies. Well, first we have the funeral and Paul Kersey gets kind of irritated at Karen. Cause she's like, Oh, it's my fault. If I'd have spent more time with her and he pulls over to the side, and he goes, no, it's not your fault. It's the drugs fault. Then we get the editor at the newspaper. When Karen wants to do a report on drug use, he's like, no one cares about drugs anymore. Everyone does drugs. No one wants to read about that crap. And I'm like, wait, and then you said right there, like, everyone who is involved with drugs deserves to die. So what is it? Are, well, the, are, well that's the, the bad guy says that line. So I yeah. feel like I do, like, I feel like Kirstie's fired up because, I mean, if, if he could act, we could see this maybe. But he's fired up about the situation because his his new daughter, I guess, sort of in a way, like his almost adopted daughter is uh, killed. So he is fired up about the situation. But I think the real message of the movie is is that that guy has gone too far wanting to kill everybody who's... And Bronson realizes that. Again, a better actor could maybe translate that. But also a better script. We need to funnel this into one general theme. Are we doing it that, like, our youth is being destroyed by the drug dealers and sellers and all this? I thought that was the general theme we were going to go into. But it just splinters all over the place. Like, everyone's doing... Like, I just I, think if you would have flowed it into one, it would have worked better. Like, we could have felt sorry for the youth of America. Because we have two daughters who are dead from overdoses from crack cocaine. I think it's. I think what it's trying to do, and maybe it just doesn't work, is play the middle ground of, like, it's terrible, it's killing our kids, it's bad, but we can't go around killing everybody doing drugs. Well, like, and, we just have to keep it away from our kids. That's where you're wrong, because Paul Kersey can. <laughs> well, and I also think, you know, whenever you make an argument, you're supposed to provide a counter-argument. Uh, at least that's that's yeah. what you're taught. And I think that was them sort of paying lip service to the counter-argument. We're like, nobody cares about this. It's just so yeah. inundated into our culture. And it's like, no. Like, that's what the movie seems yeah. to be saying. Like, yeah. we need to do something about this. We should uh, also mention when Karen is set up to write the story, she goes to the hospital, which is such an afternoon special for kids. You know, right. like, hey, drugs are bad. This is what could happen to you. But that is so comical where they pull the the doctor's like, are you sure you want to see these or the coroner? Yeah. And she's like, a must for the, you know, for the story. And he pulls it up and the eyes are open on two of the bodies. I'm like, no, that's not how that works. They close the eyelids. Mm -hmm. But it's clearly like. It's to make it look as horrific as possible. It's so cheesy. And it like to me, it just took me right out of it because it's not serious at all anymore. And like this is supposed to be the serious scene. Yeah, but Canon can't figure out a way to fucking make these films right. I mean, or they're they're under the like the thumb of Canon, where they're not allowed to make these movies right. Either one of those. I think it's just a just a very fumbled like preachy moment. But I, I will also note that after after we see Karen uh, uh, delve into this because she's a journalist, she has her own life, she's going to go do this thing, like, like that's her way of coping with her daughter's death, is making sense of it by writing this story. We get, like, a scene and a half with her doing that investigative reporting, then she disappears for an hour. Like, yeah. 
No more developments on that story. I thought it was going to be sort of back and forth. We were going to get sort of like yeah. a like a proto B movie version of Traffic or something. Uh, but then, yeah. nope, nope, that ain't happening. And then the rest of the movie is just Paul Kersey shooting people, just I, checking yeah. checking names off a list. Yeah. I thought it was going to be, she was going to be investigating this, and then she would figure out that it was Paul Kersey yes. as the vigilante. Wow, that would have been a better movie. <laughs> I wonder I wonder if that was in one of the other scripts, it and they have, have mashed yeah. them sort of together, and yeah. like took like a greatest hits of it without yeah. going well, on the full journey. But yeah. instead, we yeah. don't see Kersey interact with Karen for the next hour. We only see him shooting drug dealers until... It becomes necessary for the plot for Karen to get kidnapped yeah. by the big bad. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and then she becomes a prop. Yep. How convenient that she's still alive and she can be used. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so then it just starts going down the normal format of a Death Wish. He's, even though it kind of feels James Bondy, because he's using a lot of gadgets. Uh, the first one is he p- pretends to be. I don't know, like one of the um, caterers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just walks straight into this. um, He's got the perfect outfit already, you know, and he's like. Tuxedo. Yeah, Yeah, he's in disguise. He does a lot of disguises in this movie. Yeah. So one of the head gangsters is having a birthday party, and he has got to be based off of Golem from Canon. Where he's just over the top, and he's just, there's girls, you know, and running around in bikinis. He's like, I'm the life of the party! And he's, he's blowing got, out nipple candles. He's got two caterpillars for oh, eyebrows. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Uh, Zacharias. Yes. Zacharias. Zacharias. And he's running one part of the drug family. Did you guys catch who one of his goons was? Yes. Danny Trejo. Yeah. Danny Trejo with a bad haircut. <laughs> Baby Danny Trejo. Baby yeah. Danny Trejo. Right. I'm sure he was probably five years removed from prison. Yeah. Because I believe he got out of prison in the early 80s or yeah. maybe late 70s, somewhere. I, I think he did stunts on Runaway Train. He, like, worked on, like, some yeah. of those, like, on some of those canon movies. Uh, and uh, he was... No, he was, at that time, before he started getting into that stuff, he became... Um, uh eric roberts assistant that's who he was for a while really yes yes somebody told me this story somebody in the biz told me this story about him being eric roberts assistant and i think he was his assistant on the set of runaway train and wasn't and that sort of got him into this and he did stunt work too yeah and like, yeah and, so, but uh, I what, think a, what was... a wild time that must have been. Can you imagine being Eric Roberts' assistant in the 80s? Yeah. Woo! Well, and, uh, I, I mean... imagine Danny Trejo being like, you know what? This is better than prison. Like, this is better than prison. I wonder if he got out of it because he was like, this is scarier than prison. Because it's Eric <laughs> fucking Roberts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, man. That dude fucking partying hard. But, like, but Trejo has lines in this movie, yep. too. Like, he's a character. Uh, you could tell right away, even in his like two minutes of talking, I was like, "Yeah, he can perform in front of the camera." Yeah, he's, he's, he's got a presence for yeah. sure. Yeah, You're just like, great. "Who's that guy?" Yeah. and then he blows up. Uh- yeah. <laughs> I, I, the, so when he sneaks in and he's he's tapping these phones, like these old landlines, yeah. kids. These are the things that had cords on them and yeah. were attached to the wall sometimes. Very odd, unique, very old. You can probably go to a museum and see them. <laughs> or this, or your grandma's house. This sequence happens multiple times too. Yes. Like the <laughs> same thing happens like multiple times in this movie where he where he sneaks into a house, like starts putting like starts tapping the phones by like unscrewing the receiver and like 
cramming something in there and screwing it back in. And then guys show up. He needs to go tiptoe away and hide somewhere. He inevitably gets found out because yeah. he's very bad at hiding. And then he has <laughs> to kill somebody. And that happens every time. We never see him actually like gaining like reconnaissance, like like gaining information. Right. He is from the this. worst fucking vigilante. He's the worst spy. Yeah, <laughs> he's a bad just, spy. He's so bad. He, he's a vigilante because he's a terrible spy. He's like, well, now I have to kill him. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, they'll they'll squawk. I guess. Just shoot him in the face. <laughs> so yeah, he, he sees a murder because this guy's over the top, and we meet the other um, crime boss family, which is a little bit of the lesser family. You know, they're not as powerful, not as flashy. Yeah, they're just yeah, they're the blue collar of the uh, the other guys. Yeah, and most of them, like you said, are like white or at least ethnically ambiguous. Yeah, I don't, mm. Like one of them seems kind of Italian and Cuban and yeah, there is like a Colombian. Like Colombian, they keep they sort of mention yeah. Colombians for a while. So I mean, this is a very I mean, they like to hire a lot of different groups. Uh, they like to see the perspectives of everyone. How do you handle the drug trade? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, you put them in fish. That's yeah. a good idea. We're gonna borrow that. Yeah, they go they go away very quickly from what I was suspecting. Oh, the like the racist stereotype of the low level drug dealer. It's like they, they, they jump past that very quickly, which I actually kind of appreciated. Yeah, the, the woke death wish here. Yeah, woke death wish. <laughs> All right. Love it. Uh, and, and very little, like, the only, only that beginning dream sequence had any, like, uh, sexual violence yeah, in it. Yeah, it, that, oh, that's I think, why yeah. I felt like that was a reshoot, too, because it was like, well, we don't have any rape in this movie. <laughs> it's like, I'll put it in a dream sequence then. Right. Um, uh, because there there isn't any in the rest of the film. Uh, I did want to point out when they blow up Danny Trejo, my favorite thing in the world is the two dummies that are still just sitting there yeah. still before they explode. Yes. Um, oh, man. You don't even have to pause to see it. No. It, it just, it's just... Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> great. But, yeah, after... So, in the, the party, the one guy stabs him, and then Kersey, of course, gets caught, like you said. Yeah. And then they carry out the body. This made me laugh when he just bashes the guy in the face with a crowbar. Yeah. And then, the, and then smacks the hood on him. I cracked up at that, because I'm like, yeah, that's what a 66-year-old man can... It's not yeah. like he can, like, fight him. Yeah, he's all one-punch Kersey in this movie. Yeah. Just one punch, and they're down. Yeah. Uh, so Does that he, a lot, too. Yeah, he goes, and he's the wine distributor. Oh, the wine... That's my favorite. Like when he's when he screws the bomb into the wine bottle and he's in his little disguise as the wine salesman. So funny. I'd like to offer you a sample to try. And the uh, bartender's like, oh, okay. 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 I Can I drink. give it to some of your customers? Well, no. <laughs> well, this was the only time I saw um Bronson use a little bit of charm. I mean, it's yeah. his yeah. max charm that he's got. He's like, come on. You know, this is great free wine. You know, this we Oh, we're up at the Napa Valley. Yeah. And then he's giving him... But I love Danny Trejo. He's like, don't I recognize you? Yeah. And then, I never forget a face. Cut to... Boom! <laughs> and I'm pretty sure... Doesn't Browser just like kind of smack him and run away right yeah. before... <laughs> yeah. Before the wine bomb And then he is off. completely out of the room. And then, yeah, that, it's just the dummies. And an yeah. entire place engulfed in flames like and, that and slow ass motherfucker didn't get out of there that fast no. and my question here is did bronson just have this like wine gag ready to go like in the event that somebody close to him gets murdered well, and he has to go back out there we never see his cue his supplier of weapons because sure. the the super baddie white um 
gives him just like here whatever you need call this number oh so sure that's right i, I kind of wish they would have put in the james bond like yeah. he's like, just like here, check the, it out yeah. i got a wine bomb for you <laughs> here's a rocket launcher like <laughs> i i like in my head thinking that bronson though just comes up with all these gags himself well and homeboy definitely did have a stockpile of weapons because there is that bit near the end of the movie Mm -hmm. where he pulls his fridge out and there's just like a gun safe right behind the fridge with a lot of high-powered weapons in there oh there's my m16 with a grenade launcher let's go work um yeah so he definitely his vigilante days were not past him he was just dormant yeah. yeah, he's just waiting for the next time to be needed. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was waiting for his next girlfriend to get murdered. Or whatever, like, yeah. Because we meet the two detectives. I only remember one of the detectives' names. It was Detective Nozaki. Yeah, the, and, the Asian detective. Yeah. Also, I wrote progressive question mark. But nope, turns out he's a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, we couldn't have the old white man be the bad guy. Yeah, I mean, no, we, no. I mean, I'd rather have an Asian bad guy because in these movies, there's usually no Asians ever. ever so at least yeah. they're giving an Asian actor work here. Yeah. So and he's I'll take that. Good. Yeah, well, he's uh, he's even in like the credit block. Yeah, I yeah. I thought was weird. Um, I've Soon seen Tech him. O. In, yeah. Um, I've seen him in other '80s movies. Um, <clears throat> so he yeah he must have some well, clout if he's in the credit block. I mean, here. could you imagine? <laughs> Coleman Goldwyn like watching this, and they're like, "Why isn't he a ninja cop?" And like, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And they're like, "Yeah, God, an Asian that's him. not a ninja yeah, in a like, canon movie." Like, I almost don't care that it's he's a bad guy because it's not as offensive as yeah. it could have been. <laughs> at least, there's, at least there's some representation. <laughs> right. well, so the the cops, you know, they they explain to you that it's been two years since the vigilante has killed because they they he used the same gun to uh, kill whoever two years ago as he did this time around at some point oh i guess because he killed jojo with the same gun right so they go and they've got like 18 names of people with the last three digits of their license plate they go to him they question him and right away it's they're like well kind of watch him i don't know how what they do but either way uh so we get introduced to these two cops and they do play big roles both of them in a way Kind of. I and I wonder again if there was another script where this all would have lead up to a better build up at the end. Well, I think yeah, it's like it because the, the first movie has it where it you're following both Kirstie and his journey and the cop trying to catch him. That's sort of the first movie. Mm-hmm. I think what they could have done here is yeah, like we mentioned, where like the investigative journalist, his girlfriend, could have been figuring out. Or the cops, and they couldn't figure out what they wanted to do, so they kind of just did both half-assed yeah. instead of having you know like yeah. the two parallel stories like the original movie does. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, they, they were somewhat trying. It just yeah, at the end, I don't think because there's not no real buildup. I never have a fear that Kersey could die in this. No, not at all. Uh, uh, yeah. He he puts himself in a lot of really stupid situations too, and he always just comes out unscathed, yeah. which is. Oh, wait, because he always gets caught. He, like, always, no matter what he's doing, he gets caught, but then he just, like, kills people without yeah, a problem. Yeah, they're just, like, introducing bad guys, curse he kills. Introduce bad guys, curse he kills. Yeah. Which, by the way, if he killed that bartender with the bomb, mm, curse You're killing some innocent people there. Yeah. Well, you know what? He's involved with the drug trade in some tangential way. And anybody way. who... Yeah, yeah, anyone who's near drugs dies, <laughs> needs to die. Now, 
I couldn't think of a more 1987 thing in this movie than realizing that there is a conglomerate of drug dealers operating out of a front of a video rental store. Yeah. Which is <laughs> Cannon's office, it looks like. Yes. Oh, <laughs> no, because there are just posters for Cannon films everywhere. Oh. And weirdly, a ceiling ornament advertising the Martin Scorsese movie After Hours. I saw the cutout of um, of Leatherface. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. TCM. Yeah, uh, I just love their self promotion. They yeah. like they don't give a shit. And the funny thing is, like, I found out that is supposed to be a porn, like, uh, movie making. You know, whatever a production oh. house. Yeah, a oh. video store and porn. That's they're supposed to be scummy. Yeah. They don't really do a good job of showing that no. because I had no idea. And, and like I said, it looks like they're just shooting in Cannon's offices at this point. Yeah. Like it doesn't oh, even it look like has to be. Like yeah. it looks like they went to like their stock room and they were like, "We'll turn it into a video store." And then they were like, "Just put our shit in the halls." You yeah. know, like, yeah. or that office just looks like that all the time, which I also wouldn't be surprised about. Right. <laughs> uh, I wish I would have paused. Well, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered because I couldn't see it on this VHS. But I'd love to see a rest, you know, restore of this. I want to see what all those posters were. Hey, this is available from Image Entertainment on a laser video disc. <laughs> you might be able to see it there. And beautiful laser disc quality. I, I will say, because I, I I saw these movies on, on DVD first, because sure. I, I picked up like the set that has uh, 2, 3, 4 in it, mm-hmm. um, after I sort of fell in love-hate with the first one. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, this is terrible. I need to see the rest. Um, so I bought like the... In the, the this was an MGM release or whatever. The transfers are pretty good on oh, the yeah. DVD, so you could you could definitely like pause it and see some of the stuff that's in there. Like it's it's not the usual uh, MGM cropped uh, wide like a fake widescreen. Sure, it's like it it they did a good job. I think it's because they did it for their channel, their MGM HD channel, and then just popped them on a quick DVD, mm-hmm. and so they look pretty good. Nice. Um, so you can actually see some stuff in here, but. I'm not saying go out and run run and buy those DVDs because if you're interested in this, Shout Factory is inevitably going to put out a set of all of them. Just wait, guys. Like, it's coming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all the Bronson you can handle. <laughs> and maybe some of the Bronson you can't. Yeah. Yeah. His, his, his long lost butt scenes. Ooh. <laughs> Don't want to see that at all. Put, put that visual in your mind. No, nope, thank you. <laughs> so... Uh, then he goes off somewhere to the distribution of the drugs, and it, they are. This is so clumsy. He is just terrible. He walks in with a lunchbox as like I don't know a mechanic or something. That's I. That's to got me, a weird yeah. like like an Uzi slipcase in there. <laughs> yes. I don't know. It's very strange. Oh, I love how he has an Uzi with a silencer because you yeah. know everyone who uses an Uzi wants to be nice and quiet. No, when you have an Uzi, you want to fucking light shit up. Right. The, uh, I don't know. Whatever. It's Paul Kersey. So he sneaks into there and we see that there's, uh, they're putting drugs in the fish, cutting open the fish and pulling them out. And that's yep. that's why we need a wall, folks. We need to build a wall so they can't use ships. <laughs> oh, right. shit. That wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah. They're bringing in the drugs in fish via barges. <laughs> yeah. This is... Uh, I could see Trump watching this movie. He's like, oh, no. We need a wall in the ocean, too. <laughs> yeah, ocean wall. <laughs> And the ocean's going to pay for it. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Always here for that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I needed to sneak Trump into this somehow. Mm. Just so we can... Can we we sneak him into one of these Death Wish movies as a villain so he could pop his fucking head off already? (laughs) If we write the script, MGM might just let us. (laughs) Yeah, they're, they're... 
They're on Remake City right now. We could do it. <laughs> yeah. They already they already did the they did the first remake. They're like, oh, whatever. Like, let's just try it again. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. So you were mentioning one punch Kersey. Yeah. When he just like bashes the guy in the back of the head, and I'm like, oh, so I guess he's out. Yeah. That's Kersey it. can't do anymore. Yep. One punch Kersey. Yeah. So he's, you only need one. I bet he was like one shot Kurt or one shot Bronson. He's just like, let's get in the first one because I yep. gotta go back to my trailer and smoke a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. He's gotta, he's gotta hit the links yeah. after uh, after they gotta make rap. gotta make tea time. Yeah, <laughs> so and, him and him and Clint yeah. have a have a tea time. Prob- they probably did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he's trying to pin these bad guys against each other, um, and he goes after the Romero. No, what was the other? The, oh, I don't fucking know. I, I don't know. <laughs> Romero's one of the bad guys. Oh, it is. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. The uh, Romero Because they said it a fucking brothers. thousand yeah. times in the movie, and that's why it's in my Well, head. every time they said it, I thought about George Romero, and I'm just like, man, I wish he was the bad guy. <laughs> With, like, his giant glasses. Um, oh, they would have did a fake Romero in the porn production place. Oh, that would have been funny. Glorious. Yeah, that would have been cute. Yeah. We have his top hit man, which is a baritone, big football player-looking... Oh, Frank, what's his name? Frank something. I wrote it down uh, because he is comically verbally abusive to his wife. Oh, uh, this guy. Frank, Frank Barnes. This, Frank Barnes. This section of the movie might be my favorite just because it's just like they're just so shitty to each other. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah he inevitably I, gets thrown out of a window and lands on well, the, the car. Perfectly yeah. lands on the car. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right when she says, I wish he just dropped dead. And then, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. He says to his wife once, uh, uh, at one point, the phrase, you eat like a damn whore. I don't even know what that means. Oh, I thought it was horse. <laughs> I oh. heard, I, and I heard hog. God damn it. Will you hurry up? We're going to be late. My zipper's stuck. That's because you eat like a damn whore. Drop some weight, why don't you? Drop dead, why don't you? Wow. wow. I heard a hog. That's, guys, this is the quality <laughs> of the VHS that we are, that we are... Yeah, because I was like, well, because she puts on that dress, which she finds tacky. Now, they clearly, this is a funny little, I don't know if this is based off someone they know, because they're they're just bantering back and forth. You eat like a horse. And she's like, I thought you liked this dress. And he goes, you look cheap. And she's like, yeah, but it's easy to get off. And he goes, oh, it's true. You know, like. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, yes, that's like, why that's why we're with each other, because we like fucking yeah <laughs> we hate fuck each other every night yeah that's that's like i feel like that's a trope in a lot of these movies where it's like these people like hate each other but then like they just like have like really intense sex later yeah. and that's like why they're together i, I, I don't well, know well yeah. also the played car- out <laughs> yeah this is definitely like an 80s uh yuppie yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they said he had a baritone. One of the characteristics of this man is a baritone voice, and I'm like, please sing, please yeah. sing, <laughs> because they mentioned he's going to the opera, right? And he like really likes the opera, and I kind of loved it because he looks like a man's, you know, like football player. I, you know, I work out, I he's eat an steaks, opera but like, he that's likes a cool the touch. opera. Yeah. I nice liked touch. it. Yeah, I thought that was really nice. And then he's like, oh, I forgot the tickets upstairs. So he has to go back up to his condo. So this and then is of the course, same sequence. And Kersey's putting the wire <laughs> tap on the phone. <laughs> and he gets caught. And, and it does the same thing where, yeah, he like he, he stops, like kind of looks both ways and then like tiptoes away. <laughs> like it's some sort of cartoon. It's so funny. And then like naturally he gets caught. And yeah. uh, there there is a really, again, a really, I maybe it was... Maybe it was just the mood I was in, but this made me laugh so much. Oh, yeah. Where Frank finds Kersey 
hiding in the kitchen and he goes what the fuck are you doing here and paul kersey goes i was making a sandwich <laughs> <laughs> and then they just start fighting i thought yeah. that was so funny come on out asshole come on out And there's no Bronson would get his ass beat by this man who's like twice his size and yeah. half his age. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, and it's it's funny too because the guy's taking off his like tuxedo jacket and then right. Cursey like punches him in the stomach and slams him into a TV. Yeah. Oh yeah, and he kind of gets like a little electrocuted. Yeah, yeah. So I, I thought right when he bashed into the TV, I thought it would cut him all up and like his face would melt from electric. Yeah. But they didn't, no, they didn't no. have the budget for that. No, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was going in Kirstie's pocket instead of on screen. So <laughs> right. then he just throws him out the window. She says the line. He lands on the car. We get Kirstie sneaking out with the cops coming in. Yeah, but Nazaki sees him. Yeah, Nazaki sees him, but doesn't say anything. Right. He knows. And that's and that's where we know something's up with Nazaki. Yeah, something's I, going. Well, on. I was wondering. It, this movie tricked me. I did not see it coming that he was a bad guy. I thought he was going to start helping Kirstie take out the drug lords again i have a feeling you were just imagining a more interesting movie than <laughs> this movie was which i did several times well yeah and and it didn't happen and, and that that still makes me think a script you know maybe there is a version where that is what happens you know like i wonder if these are this is just an amalgam of different script yeah, ideas that come they up smashed with, together when i explain the 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 three other scripts because i think this was the fourth one they went with uh, maybe we can come up with our theories. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, I can only give you the general theories, or, well, basically what they people have said, rumors about them. Sure. Uh, so we get Nazaki meeting with the drug lord, and he's like, I know who's doing the killing. And I love how the drug lord doesn't go, the Romero brother doesn't, no, wait. This wasn't I think that might have been Zachariah. Yeah, this is Zachariah, the caterpillars. Yeah. Uh, he's just like, okay, he never asked who it was. He just says, kill him find out who it is who he's working for and kill him and i'm like no you you're paying the cop to be on your side to tell you information right. he doesn't care about the information he wants the cop to kill him and 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 nizaki goes i don't do that and he goes you do now what are you crazy you're not supposed to come to this house. It's important. I think I know who's been giving you trouble. Does he work for the Romeros? Not as far as I can tell. He also killed Boggs. Then who does he work for? Yeah. I was like, dun dun dun! <laughs> Uh, you know, I remember a lot more about this movie. Like, there, there's a lot more, like, character in this movie than in 5. I so. think this, the pace of this movie is actually good. Yeah. Well, this movie good. flies by. Yeah. It yeah. really does. Like, I'm not, I, I don't want to say I'm never bored because there are, you know, yeah. basically when it stuff gets, isn't blowing up, I'm not really paying attention. Gets, but, at, at about this point in the movie, it gets a little boring. But I'm not, I'm not terribly, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, poor. It moves pretty well. This well, one's, it, this yeah. one's. Like I said, I like this one a little bit. So, uh, Detective um, uh, Nazaki gets um, 
he goes to Paul Kersey's uh, office and then he confronts him and Kersey basically just shoots him. Uh, I, I thought this was going to be like a really intense moment, but it ends pretty quickly. Yeah. Like most things yeah. in this movie, it ends pretty quickly and tidily and Bronson walks away unscathed. Yeah. And then Bronson dumps his body in a jogging trail. The yeah. other detective finds him the next morning. Well, no, I mean, he, he arrives at a murder scene, finds out that it's his partner. So now this detective has, you know, revenge on his mind because yeah. he finds out that it's Paul Kersey because... Nasaki left a list with Kersey's name circled. And I love how he's trying to keep this all secret. And he right. fucking just leaves the list with his name right. circled. Right, he just circles his name <laughs> yeah. very obviously on this sheet of paper that he leaves on and his desk. And conveniently like... leaves it in the middle of his desk. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, so Dude. then then we uh, Kersey uh, sets up the two gang, uh, the two giant drug lords to meet... They're meeting in an oil field, an oil field because yeah. that's cheap to shoot at. Yeah, and uh, they can and it overlooks it overlooks the city. It's got a kind of a nice scenic. Yeah, and they meet. Um, Paul Kersey's got a sniper rifle. Shoots one of them. They think it's a setup, so both sides kill each other. Yeah, but Kersey gets to personally take out Caterpillar Face. Yes. <laughs> Who are you? I'm the guy that set you up. Why? I don't even know the girl. I do. Yes. It's not really that exciting, though. He's just like... Does he say the death line in this one, too? Or is that late? No, that might be here. Or is Is that when he he kills the other, the, the top guy? Oh, I don't remember. He says the death line from the from the beginning of the movie, the yeah. from the, oh, the yeah. dream sequence. No, I think that that was here That's because he because the... he doesn't say anything to the big bad in the end. The okay. big bad just kind of squawks at him for a while mm-hmm. and, and he, he shoots a rocket launcher at him at him. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's another one where you just see you just see a dummy go and then just up. go up. Yeah. yeah. You can do that in any movie. I'm going to enjoy a dummy blowing up, especially with the yeah. w- like the one or two frames where you can tell it's where a dummy. Where it's just something standing there completely yeah. like wooden right. and then explodes. Or Charles Bronson standing there completely wooden. <laughs> yeah. It's mostly what he does in this film. Um, so he kills him and then he goes to meet White. Uh, White calls him. He's like, let's meet. He goes to the middle of nowhere. Uh, White's limo is there. White did not show up. But he's like, you know what? I'm going to give you a ride too, White. He got busy. <laughs> and then the guy just runs away. <laughs> and Bronson's like, hey! Hey, what are you doing? And then the car, and he gets into another car. And I'm like, okay, so what is this? But the car, it takes the car like a few minutes to blow up. It's like, oh, just enough time for Kirstie to get out the back window. Right. This is awful. Yeah. This is, the, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> White, White kind of fucked up here. <laughs> Or they just like, man, you know, this is going to take... He doesn't want to use a stunt, man. This is going to take like five minutes for him to crawl out the back. <laughs> Bronson's like, I got to do it myself. Like, like if they would have showed that that idiot like trying to like hitting the switch to blow up the bomb and being like, it's not working. It's not working. At least they would have set yeah. up something. Like like just make this guy a nimcompoot, you know, where he's like, I can't figure it out. Yeah, the timing's a little odd there. Yeah, it's, it's that... 
whole scene right there probably needed to be reshot. But, you know, Bronson's like, we did it in one. Let's go. Yeah. He also, so from there he tries to find, uh, he, he, he goes back to White's place. As I understand, is yeah. that is that after that? And, and then, then we faint, we find out Nathan White isn't Nathan isn't White. Nathan White. It's a third drug lord who is posing as Nathan White, tabloid mogul. Uh, to um, it's clever to get yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a pretty solid twist. Did, I, I didn't see it. I again, I knew Nathan White was going to be the bad guy. I mean, to me, but yeah. I didn't know he was going to be a third drug lord. It's and taking out the competition. And yeah. I noticed in the credits. He doesn't actually ever have a name. In the credits, he's Nathan White. So yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. They never even gave this guy a name. Yeah, his actual name. <laughs> yeah. I'm not Nathan White. Then that's the end of the conversation. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I wish the credits just said not Nathan White. <laughs> not Nathan White. And then the other guy who actually is Nathan White gets credited as the real Nathan, Nathan, White. <laughs> Nathan White. And then he pulls off his mask and he's actually like a you know a Tom Jamaican. Bruce a Jamaican <laughs> or a Jamaican warlord. And I was just like, that's the canon I know. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, but they, they stuck with it. Uh, so kind of good for them. And then it turns into Kersey just hunting down... Uh, Nathan White. White, because Nathan White gets fake White, I guess. Um, he gets some fake cops. Kersey knows it. Kersey escapes. Just to speed this up, Kersey escapes. The car flips. Uh, Kersey crawls out of it. And uh, then we get the other detective finds Kersey. They kidnap gets, Karen. Yeah, they kidnap uh, Karen because they need the someone. Thing. Yeah, Karen shows up back in the movie just in time to get kidnapped. And die. In yeah. the, the very end of the movie, yeah. like just like, and she's dead. Yeah, After all that, and she's dead. This <laughs> reminds me of Deadly Prey when she gets like Deadly Prey. Uh, he's hunting for his wife. Have you guys seen Deadly Prey? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Oh fuck you too. We gotta watch Deadly Prey. I've, you're not the first person to have told me that. So it's uh, beautiful. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's it's Oscar winning performances. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's just a movie when you watch, you'll never forget. Yeah, I've seen pieces of it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's a, it's it's just a, it's a perfect storm of we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, outsider art. Yep, and so he ends up getting to the arcade. We go to the arcade. He escapes the cop, knocks him out, but he pulls out his M16 and grenade launcher out of the, just a beautiful hiding place where it's just like behind his fridge. To me. No more time for fucking gadgets. Yeah. This is cursey being cursey. It's time to blow some shit up. This is when it goes to Death Wish 3 again a little bit. Mm. So he goes to the roller rink, yes. which is also an arcade, and we get some popcorn and, explosion. Yep. Yep. Beautiful. They wreck some arcades. They He hunts them down. We get a, a van explosion. Yeah. And then we get cursey facing off with fake white and Karen. And Karen, like, knocks. I don't know. Does she hit fake white to run away? Yeah. She runs away. It gets gunned down in the back. Yeah. And yeah. then I love how the bad guy goes, I told her not to run. You know, yeah. like, like it, that, like, Paul Kersey would have been like, yeah, you're right. She should have followed the rules here. This is not how this works. Right. But he kills his hostage. And <laughs> Kersey doesn't really even let him finish. Yeah. He just grenade launcher stomach. Boom. That was that's a great moment. Yeah, actually, like I thought that that was a really great way to end it. It was, it does, it kind of deflates the whole thing, but in like a very almost almost like thrilling nihilistic way. Yeah. Where and and you re, and White realizes too, like that's all he had, and he's fucked now. Yeah. Like 
where where he just like took away the thing that like Kersey was pursuing him for. And uh, let's be real, like the way the movie treats her, she is an object in this movie, basically. Yeah. Uh, uh, unfortunately, because... not racist, still sexist. <laughs> <laughs> Progression? Uh, Question mark? Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're trying to get better, one, but we're not one there for yet. Two. Uh, yeah, and then I also just love, like, then the cop catches him and whatever, and yeah. he's just like, what are you gonna do, like, arrest me? Like, yeah, yeah arrest he just me walks then. away. Credits. The, 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 <laughs> cop, the cop puts his gun down and is like, I don't want to shoot him. Roll credits. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Percy walks off into the distance. I, it, the, I thought maybe for a second they're gonna have the curtain. Now, obviously, I know there's a fifth. So I knew it wouldn't happen. But if I would have first been watching this and he'd have been like, do what you want. I was like, damn, he does have a death wish. He's going to get shot in the back by this cop. Yeah. But but he just walks off to the saxophone music. Yeah. And we fucking roll credits. It'd be great if we did have a series of like the death wish movies where like we did have like two or three movies and then at the end he inevitably does die. That would have been a really satisfying series. I think that's the only way that this series really can end. Paul Kersey needs to die. And we never got that. Yeah. Like we, because five happens and it's pretty much the same old thing again. Well, and five was based, and and again, they just kind of hit a soft reset button. It's like he's got a new girlfriend that's like 30 years younger than him (laughs) and like, you know, another like... Like, try, you know, like, it, they just kind of reset it every time where it's like, oh, maybe Chrissy will be happy this time. Nope. Yep. Yeah. Now we can talk about all the, make our theories on these scripts. So the first one was basically a buddy cop movie. Uh, they wanted him because they were worried about his age, yeah. 66. Wait, was this real? Like, yeah, yeah. this was actually, yeah, they tried so to make the, it a buddy thing? Okay. Yeah, the original, co- and, and Bronson, like, canned it immediately. He's like, I'm the only star of this. Sure. Uh, so, but they said it was really interesting, because it was him, you know, hooking up with um, a son, basically. Like, they were going to introduce oh, that like, Kersey like had Hard a... Five. That worked really well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Woof. Woof. Jai uh, Courtney. Still, <laughs> oh, still never seen. Past, um, I've seen four. That's it. I, I think Matt's the only one in this room that's seen five. Yeah, I've only seen it's, four. It's once. like not as bad as you think it is. It's just it's just boring. That's you know that's all it is. Like and Jai Courtney's fucking terrible. But like it's not as bad as it. You know it's not right. death. It's not Bruce Willis Death Wish remake. Like it's not as yeah. bad as you think it is. But it's also like so you guys just like don't need to see it. It's just kind of boring. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't into, running to see it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like if you're ever like I'm gonna see all the Die Hard movies, you could stop it for. But like five isn't the worst either. So it's just whatever. Yeah, and then they wanted to do one where they brought back the only surviving female from this series from uh, Death Wish 2, which she's never, which is actually um, Bronson's wife. Hmm. But the problem was, is Bronson's wife was battling breast cancer at the time. And she survived, and she was writing a book called Life Wish. And it was about her surviving breast cancer, and she didn't want to come back to do a movie where her character in the script dies jesus sure. <laughs> of course well and, and rightfully so yeah so your thing and apparently they said that one had a lot of good ideas where bronson was going to be questioning his vigilante you know like is this the right am i doing so the right where thing? that piece yeah. for the opening yeah. comes in yeah so i must <laughs> again though bringing back the woman just a killer though <laughs> like come right. on yeah. guys yeah. <laughs> yeah well and I it might wondered, have been a better script and yeah we could have put like do we have to it, do that again <laughs> to me it would have, it would have somehow turned into like i mean if bronson wasn't such a fucking asshole with like no do it my way or you, i mean a lot of these 
The third one, we'll get into that. I don't really know how that went off the rails, even though it's a beautiful masterpiece. Everyone should watch it. It's Um, wonderful. But yeah, I I do wonder if like it really, it was his ego was getting in the way because wouldn't it have been cool if she would have came back and Bronson would have died and then she would have been the new Death Wish. She would have been the new Vigilante. Oh, I would have loved to see that. Yeah. Because Canon tried to do that, you know, with Ninja 3... Um, where they're like, oh, let's make the ninja a woman. You know, mm. we're like, uh, but I, I, I don't know. I, I think they would have tried it. I think at that point, Cannon would have did anything to try to get a hit. Yeah. It, and they, they like, I, like, I really do. I truly believe that this is a mishmash yeah. of all these scripts. I think yeah. that that's what this is. Like, and the, it has yeah. a lot of ideas that it doesn't deliver on, which makes me think that, like, not that the, the the other three scripts were any better, but it does kind of have a lot of half measures that I think is I think yeah. is the reason of well, the rewrite city that it was living in. Yeah, and another script was it was international uh, terrorists coming in, but I think all of them felt like one middle America really doesn't care about. I mean, for his character yeah. taking out international terrorists, that's not going to work. Another script was him. Um, giving up his vigilante like killing and he would catch the bad guys but all Mm. of them felt like that's just not gonna work so then they just went to their old trope of you know the crack thing with reagan and they're like you know what let's just go to the formula he's gonna kill a bunch of drug dealers because someone needs to stop these drug lords in america and it's got to be paul garcia yeah because he's the only one who can it was timely and they thought it would work i think they thought the timely um story would have worked it didn't sadly but uh you know we still got to watch a this is like i i would soft recommend this yeah i do i recommend it it's just like a fun stupid 80s movie like it and it moves pretty well uh you can tune out during like the overly talky scenes and still pick back you know like you could go get a drink of water or something or beer uh while you're watching it and probably beer i was drinking beer um, (laughs) i think if you got someone else in here other than bronson because i actually think to me the the worst part of this film is bronson it's just like to me he looks like he's done yeah he's, he's pretty characterless in it yeah yeah uh, but it is, it's, it's, you know, it's an 80s. It's a it, late 80s yeah. explosion action movie. It it mostly delivers. Yeah. I would say, I would say pick it up. I would say oh, run I, out and pick it up. But I would say yeah. if you find it, like, I, I would do say, a lot worse with your time. I, I would say rent it or borrow it from someone like us. You know, or yeah. I'm the only one who owns it. I wouldn't say, like, go out and find this. Or if you're like Matt and you find a set with multiple Death Wish that's sequels, fine. Yeah. that's probably the way to do it is to, like, I wouldn't seek this out, like, by itself. Mm-hmm. I would seek it out as part of a bundle if you're one of those weirdos like us that like to run through a whole series. Yeah, and and that's actually, I think, the only way you can get it on DVD until guaranteed shout factory comes through yeah. on this uh the only way you can't get it is in the three set with uh two three and four and i just really wanted to own three as well so yeah <laughs> and that's the only way you can get those those two mm-hmm. guys you're building up three for me a lot it's <laughs> it's it's a different beast what all together yes yeah. it's, it's, it's a piece it's of shit up. and it's you'll next. be disappointed and... <laughs> wink you get it you guys guys get reverse psychology yeah, get the, uh, set the bar low yeah uh so let's move on to the museum this is the second time i've had to reclaim my property from you that belongs in a museum 
So do you. All right, this is the part of the show where we put something in, good or bad. We're just like Indy. We're going out there into the, the jungles of film and bringing them back. Alex, I'm going to let you start with our visitors portion of the museum. What do you got? Wine bomb. I'm putting the wine bomb in the museum. Not that him. was that was that was my favorite part of the movie. It was the most absurd, like violent gag I think I've I, I saw in the whole thing. Uh, and I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just a sucker for those just like absurd gadgets. Uh, yeah. And and just like watching watching him just like also watching Bronson kind of lazily slap the wine label on the fake wine bottle like. Everything about that whole little sequence was was uh, was kind of a joy to me. So, uh, so that, that that's what I'm taking. What do you got, Matt? I uh, as a person that you know gets a lot of like like real satisfaction from revenge movies and things like that. Like I really I like them a little bit too much. Uh, <laughs> I I uh, I have to put in the museum, even though I love the scene with the banter between the uh, the baritone guy and his wife slash girlfriend, and he dies. I'm not going to put that in there as much as I love that chunk of the movie because it's it's so gross, that scene, <laughs> like how nasty they are to each other. <laughs> um, but uh, I just because I like the vigilante stuff and the revenge stuff, it's really fucking satisfying to watch the bad guy get blown up with a rocket launcher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I yeah. love just, like, needless violence in the elimination of the bad guy <laughs> like, yeah, yeah sometimes if a guy just goes oh he gets shot in the chest it's like that's kind of anticlimactic i'm pretty disappointed but when i see it yeah. like a dummy just get fucking obliterated and just exploded yeah i'm pretty satisfied <laughs> good choice so yeah. that's that's what's going in there uh the great last death in this movie i'm putting in john p ryan as nathan <laughs> white because his voice is fantastic I like I said I want it to be my voicemail. That guy's great. I love his voice. I don't know who he is. I've never seen him in anything else, but uh, I might look up one of his just to see, just to see if he's something good. You know what I'd love to see him in is like where he's just like a rugged general and he's <laughs> giving everyone orders. Mm-hmm. I just love that guy's voice. He's got a great voice. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. He is great. Good All choice. Right. <laughs> All right, now I'm gonna let you guys take it. Plug. Windy City Horrorama Film Festival yeah. Part 2. Alex, this is why you're here. Oh, uh, yeah. We brought you in because we're, uh, me and you are running the Windy City Horrorama. So tell, tell the folks about it. I've, I've done it the past couple weeks, but okay. you, you give the better speech. Yeah, <laughs> pass the baton to me. That's good. Uh, so... So Windy City Horrorama it was, a, it was a festival that uh, Matt and I put together uh, in Chicago. We had our inaugural event uh, last year uh, in, in late April at the Davis Theater in Chicago's Lincoln Square, uh, very close to where we are, we are uh, recording this right now. And um, we showed independent, the, 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 the best new independent horror movies, uh, both made in the Midwest and from around the world. Uh, we, it, it, it was quite successful in the first year. We're hoping to do so again in the second year. Uh, we are, we're hard at work putting our program together. Uh, we're accepting submissions until the end of February. I'm not sure when this is coming out, but, uh, it'll probably be at around that time. So I think there'll uh, be one more week to submit after this episode comes out. Gotcha. Um, so, so we're still, we're still looking for, uh, short and feature films, uh, both made locally and from around the world. Uh, we, we look at everything. Uh, and our, our part two will be from April 26th to 28th at the Davis Theater. 
we take over we take over the theater that is connected to the bar uh, so we throw open a bar window in between screenings uh, starting Friday night uh, we'll go through Sunday evening um, it's uh, it's 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 gonna be a blast we've we've already put together uh, what we have so far of the program is really exciting I'm really pumped to to share it with everybody but we can't do it yet um, uh, a couple events coming up if you are in the Chicago area to meet us and learn more about what we're up to. Uh, we will be at Reed's Local uh, in Avondale uh, on March 6th. Uh, they will be hawking a signature Hororama drink uh, where proceeds go to fund the festival. Uh, we'll also be hanging out there uh, showing, showing some of our favorite uh, movies from back in the day, probably more around this era, late 80s kind of stuff. Uh, and, uh, and, and you can talk with us more about what's going on, maybe get a little inside scoop. Um, otherwise, uh, passes are available. Uh, full weekend passes for the low, low price of $80. Uh, that gets you into everything all weekend at the festival. So if you're planning on spending the weekend with us, uh, you're not going to get a better deal than that. That will be up until the end of February as well. Uh, you can check us out at WindyCityHorrorama.com. Look us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you'll find the link to our pass. Uh, our, our past sales there, uh, and also stay up to date on everything we have going on. Uh, so we hope to see you guys there. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, we, we, we really do this for the filmmakers and for the people who love them. So uh, it's going to be a big party. It's going to be a lot of fun. And one, one thing, you know, just about the uh, fundraiser, I want to point out that we're talking about at Reed's, uh, for our listeners in particular, uh, Reed's has their projector set up to a VCR, so whatever we're screening is probably going to be off of VHS at Ooh. Reed's. Uh, so I, I don't know what yet, uh, so it's not like I'm keeping it from you. We don't know yet, but <laughs> we are going to be showing probably something on VHS. So if you listen to this and are in town and you like the VHS stuff, it's probably we're probably going to be doing some VHS screenings there, so at least two. Um, and then I think we'll have a DJ there after that, uh, keeping the night going. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be really fun. And then, yeah, the actual party itself, the Windy City Horrorama, uh, when that, that comes around, like, uh, we, we really need to sell you guys that it is a party. Yeah, like, we have a lot we, of fun. We show movies and we show good movies, but like, we're going to have some fun. We've got some fun after parties planned after the movies and like, yeah. And that, that full fast pass gets you into all of that. So come come check us out and yeah. uh, if you're not in town i would say it's something worth coming to town for oh yeah absolutely <laughs> the davis theater uh was recently renovated it's got top-notch projection and sound uh we and and we 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 get filmmaker guests uh we have we have a sponsorship from uh from pipeworks brewery uh so so you'll get discounts on beer with your festival pass as well at the bar so so that's super fun super exciting um yeah it's, you know? a, it's a blast. And I can tell you, as someone who's gone in there, um, when you're in the theater, there's something so cool about, you don't even have to leave the theater to get more beer, <laughs> which is kind of amazing. You walk down to the sliding door, it slides open, it's connected to the bar, and you're like, yeah, give me a brew. And they're like, bam, there you go. Yeah, That's kind of amazing. And another amazing thing is so many of the filmmakers who came there and the actors... One thing I love to hear them say is, this is the best I've ever viewed my movie. Yeah. And that that was so cool to hear that, like, echoed over and over. And I even asked some of the filmmakers, like, is, are you serious? Was this like, and they're like, yes, 
you have no idea how bad some of the theaters we've gone to are <laughs> or some of the setups. Yeah. So you guys put together a great film festival and like not only the fans saying it, but the filmmakers, which actually might be more important. Well, and I, that's to the credit of the Davis, man. Like yeah. this is a film fan too. Like I, I love going there to see movies because it is, it is like, it's the best way to see a movie in Chicago. The seats are the most comfortable that I've ever sat in any, yeah, yeah. in any theater around here. That's for damn sure. The Yeah, and the projection and the sound quality are just like fucking top-notch. So and that, that bar that it's next to is also a really good restaurant, the Carbon Art. Yeah. And whatever you order at the Carbon Art, they'll put on a tray and let you bring into the theater. And it just like sets nicely on your lap. Uh, it, it, they, they have these like little custom-made trays. And you can just eat this like delicious dinner too, like or lunch or whatever with your mm-hmm. drink and enjoy your movie. It's a really a really great experience. Yeah, they've, a- they've made it a nice way for us to have a festival where you don't have to leave. Yeah, you don't ever have no. to go anywhere, and that's and that's that's to the credit of them that they've yeah. got so yeah. much good stuff in house there. Yeah, it's it's all in one. You could get an Airbnb that's probably a walking, you know, walking yeah. to five minute walking distance away. You could go to so many of the restaurants in uh, Lincoln Square that, you know, we've got our Lou's, we've got the deep dish pizzas. You can go to the Carbonara, get yourself a nice burger, you know. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, get booze at the window. You can sit and watch these awesome films all day in a, in a comfortable seat in a great theater. That's incredible. Yeah. How many people can provide that? How many film festivals do that? it's it's it's, we we lucked out with our location that is for damn sure (laughs) they're so good and and i'll reiterate everything that we're showing at this festival too is the first time that it is screening in chicago this is stuff hot off the the festival circuit uh some new stuff too we had a couple world premieres last year which was amazing uh we've and and we've got a really great variety of budget level and subgenre. so you're getting a little bit of everything uh every uh the you know, whatever, whatever screening, whatever day, you're going to get a great variety of stuff. And we're, we're really trying to curate an experience that will build you up into something crazy and will, will take you down into something a little bit more serious. And, and, and you get a, you get a full roller coaster with it. Uh, it's going to be a really great weekend. We're so pumped. Yeah. We want to see you there. Yeah. We want to, and we're there the whole time too. Like we just are hanging out as well so come hang out with us come have pipe works with us come talk with us about what you liked and didn't like like we just want to talk movies with you we just want to hang out with you um and we just want to make sure you have a good time but we're we're there like we're mm-hmm. gonna be there the whole time so come hang out with us too matt and alex thanks for talking windy city matt Thank you. we'll be back next me and matt will be back next week with another sports related question mark film yeah and this I'd one's. This I'd one's, say this yeah. is a sports-related film because Killing Junkies is. <laughs> it's a sport for Charles Bronson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's 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 drug drug peddling killer. You know, it's like this is the ultimate sport to hunt. Yeah, it's the it's the most dangerous game. Yeah, <laughs> especially when they're on crack. Yep. Yeah. All right, come back next week for the sports-related movie. Remember, you can rate and review us, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, YouTube where we put the trailers up sadly this one well I'll put up a couple scenes I think you need to see Bronson fight oh yeah and you also need to see the quality of this long yes. play mode uh, yeah. tape that <laughs> <laughs> that media put out uh, the excuse for an image that is in there I yeah. think it's really fun to see what we were wrestling yeah. with here <laughs> uh, Podbean and a whole bunch of other pod universe stuff we're on a lot of them now so you can find us it's pretty easy 
And remember to be kind. Rewind.